Well, good morning to everyone. It's good to see you this morning, and such a pleasure to have you here. If those that are visiting with us this morning, we're glad you're here as well. I pray that you'll be blessed by our worship together here at Bethany Bible. I'll ask you to turn with me to John chapter 1. Now, while you're turning there, I, I wanted to just say that... Uh, <clears throat> I struggled this week with this text. Um, I, I really didn't. I really didn't know just how to put it all together, so that it, so that it's understandable. So I hope that they, I hope it comes out that way uh, this morning for us all. Um, and so I spent a long time on this particular portion. And so I'd like for you to follow, if you would, as we read verses 6 through 13, and we will be focusing our attention on verse 9 this morning in this passage. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not that light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name... He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, the last time that we were in John's gospel, we started looking at the life of John the Baptist, and the whole of John's existence was to become and to be a witness about the light of Christ, the Messiah. John was created and sent by God the Father for that very purpose. Everyone in the world is created with divine purpose. God never does anything haphazardly or off the cuff, it is all found, it is all done within the decree of His will, which was stated among the Godhead before the world began. The purpose for God's elect is that they would fulfill His will and glorify His name. They do that by believing in the Son and obeying His Word. John's life was to be a reflection of the one whom he came to introduce. He was not the light, but he was a reflection of the light. That's why John was so careful to make everyone know, and he wanted everyone to know, That he was not the light that he spoke of. 
only a reflection of it. Now, John was a light. There's no doubt about that. But he was not the true light that would lighten the world. Of that light, John writes this in verse 9. And starting back with verse 8, so that we have flow. He was not that light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. The words true and the words gives light, or if you, you may have, uh, in the NAS, if you have an NASB, you'll find the word enlightens. Those words are significant in understanding of what John is saying in verse 9. The word true is used in the New Testament 28 times. 24 of those times are in John's writings. So John, John deals with the truth of who Christ was, not only in his gospel, but in his epistles as well. The word true refers to that which is genuine as opposed to that which is false. It describes that which is not only, not only has the name and semblance of being genuine, but it has the real nature corresponding to that name. That's why Jesus could say, which of you convinces me that I've sinned? And nobody could say a word. Because what Christ did, the life he led, the things he did, the things he said, were so true and so genuine that his, the very nature of his life spoke of those things. This same word <clears throat> is used over and over again to testify of this. God's people over the years had seen reflections of His glory. But in Jesus, they saw the true and full radiance and glory of God, according to Hebrews 1.3. This is why Jesus could say, if you have seen me, You've seen the Father. John 6.46 Everything about Christ was true and genuine. There was no mistruth or lie found in Him. In fact, the word true is used to describe Christ in other facets of His person. Jesus classified Himself as the true bread In John chapter 6, verse 32. And as the true vine in John chapter 15, verse 1. He is truly the fulfillment of all the Old Testament hopes of Messiah. Now the phrase true light suggests to us everything. Or several things that we need to consider. True light. Number one, 
is that as that Christ as the true light was completely undeceiving. He was completely undeceiving. Jesus never deceived anyone. He always spoke the truth because he was the truth. And what he said was always true, whether it was of himself or whether it was of people. The light that Jesus gives us is equal to the life that he has, and that cannot be untrue. We see that in John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, and this is what he says. This is the message we have heard from Him, from Christ, and we proclaim it to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. God is light. He is truth. There is no deception found within Him. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In John chapter 8, Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, and He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. William Barclay writes, Before Jesus came, there were other lights which men followed. Some were flickers of the truth. Some were faint glimpses of reality. Some were will-o'-the-wisps which men followed and which led them out into the dark and left them there. It is still the case. There are still the partial lights. There are still the false lights. And men still follow them. Jesus is the only genuine light, the real light, to guide men on their way. True statement. We live in a day when there is a lot of light being espoused. But much of the light that is there is not real light. It's not true light. It's false light. And it's really, in that sense, it's really not light at all. It's more darkness. Unregenerate people cannot see this fact. They do not know that they are in darkness while they're in darkness. They think that they see things clearly. And because they're in darkness... They do not understand when they hear that which is false. And millions and millions of people today are being led by by preachers and false teachers who have just a little bit of light, but that light is so obscured that people cannot see the truth. All they know is is the darkness. The false light comes from Satan 
and the world system that he controls. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14, even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. I would urge you, I would urge you to just don't listen to TV preachers. Not unless you know who they are and what they teach. Because so many of them are, so many of them have gone the way of the world and they're, they're teaching, they're teaching partial truths and sometimes not even partial truths. And unless you really know the scriptures, unless you're really grounded in the word of God, it's best just not to listen to them. I don't listen to them. I don't have time for them. The invalid and untruthful light deceives people and prevents them from seeing the true light. It is espoused by those who preach another gospel, which is not a gospel at all. Anything, folks, whether it be prosperity or social justice, Or anything that is mixed into the gospel message distorts that message and makes it an untrue message. All of the false teachers that proclaim their messages of deceit will end up in judgment. Very severe judgment. Paul goes on in that same 2 Corinthian passage to say this. And he speaks of them. For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond with their deeds. They're going to be judged according to what they have said and how they have led people astray. I've, I've watched some of them. I've listened to some of them. It is sickening what you hear. And the reason they do it? Fame and money. Fame and money. And they will perish with both of those things. Unless they repent. And you don't see that happen very often, do you? There is coming a day when false teachers, all false teachers, will face the judge of the universe and be held accountable for the lies and deception they have declared. Jesus is the true light. And He is completely undeceiving. That's why when you... Present the gospel. When you hear the true gospel, what does it do? It convicts people of their sin. It tells them they must repent. That Christ is the only way and they must repent and follow Him and believe in Him only. For salvation. 
and anything other than that, then the crucified, risen Lord is false. Second, second is that Christ as the true light was the real light. Now, by this is meant that he is the real thing as opposed to the dim types and shadows of the Old Testament. Hebrews 10 verse 1, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. The Jew could never be completely fulfilled in the salvation of God unless they came every year and participated in those things that were shadows of the real thing to come. They were dim visions of the Christ who would come. Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter 2 verse 16, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are shadows of things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. He is the real light. He is the real thing as opposed to what the shadows and types of the Old Testament portrayed that He would be. Number three. Third is that Christ as the true light is underived and super eminent light. First, now we, there are other lights, some of which are borrowed, some of which are reflected. Each has a glory of its own. Why do you think that people over the centuries in pagan cultures worship things in the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, the constellations? And they still do. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. When God set those lights in the heavens, and He created them to bring light to the earth, by day from the sun and the reflection of that sun in the moon at night. He did that to show His own glory. The heavens speak the glory of God. But what does man do? Man takes those, those lights, those lesser lights, and he worships them. Satan has used the creation as a means of worship ever since the fall in the garden. And if it's not lights in the heavens, it's things on earth. Trees and bushes and rocks. Beasts of the field, fish of the sea. You name it, man will worship it. People worship the things that are made rather than the one who made them. 
And only Christ is, is the light from which all other lights exist. And He alone deserves worship. That brings us to the words, gives light. Gives light. You find it in verse, in verse 9. He says, which enlightens or gives light to everyone. And it is connected to the word, the words, to everyone. What does that mean? This is the difficulty of the passage. The words gives light is a verb that comes from the little word phos, which we looked at in verses 4 and 5, where he talks about uh, Christ as the light. But here it's a verb. It's a verb. It, it's a fotizo. It it means to illuminate, to cast light upon something so that it becomes illuminated. Come into this building. It's dark. You turn on the lights, and everything is illuminated. You can see what's in here. You can make your way around the room. It's used, the same word is used in Luke 11, verse 36, where Jesus spoke of the heart of man. And this is what he said. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright. As when a lamp with its rays gives you light. There's the word. Gives you light. Sometimes you have to pop the hood of the car. You have to look in. How many times do you say, hey, hand me a light? Or you get underneath the sink. Try to fix something underneath the sink and it's dark. Grab me a light so I can see what I'm doing here. This is the idea. That this light, this it's like a lamp that throws light on something. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things hidden in the darkness. Nothing is really hidden to the Lord. Revelation 22, verse 5, speaking of the eternal state, he writes, The night will be no more, there will be no more night, uh, no more need, of lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light. Now, why this emphasis on light? Why does it say He gives light to everyone? Because the world is full of darkness. Spiritual darkness that has blinded people and prevents them from seeing the true light. John, John's having to point out who the true light is, is proof that there's blindness. If everybody could see who Christ was clearly, they would not be blind. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, that in their case, speaking of the unbelieving... In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers 
to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Luke chapter 4, Jesus enters into the synagogue at Nazareth. And he opens the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, which was handed to him. And he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind. If you think that people are not blind to spiritual truth, just ask them the question. Who is Jesus Christ? See what they say. They'll say, oh, I've heard of him. Don't know who he is. They'll say, oh, he was a great man, I hear. I'll say, oh, he was a worker of miracles. Leader of, a, leader of a great religion. They can't see who he is. Because their minds have been blinded. They're in darkness. The world is just as blind today as it was in John's day. However, the unbelieving world's blindness is not only a natural thing, it is a willing thing. In other words, people are naturally blind, naturally spiritually blind, and they are not willing to be any other way. And you and I were no different. Before Christ, we were no different. God has sent the light into the world to counteract their blindness, and it is revealed, it is revealed through the gospel. It's the only way the light comes to anyone is through the gospel. Some would take this verse, verse 9, to mean that God has enlightened or given spiritual light to every person that has come into the world without exception and use it as a universalist teaching. But that does not mesh with the rest of Scripture. We reject universalism. Because it goes against what the Word of God teaches. If universalism were true, then Jesus lied when he said, I am the life, the truth, and the way. No one comes to the Father but by me. Some have said that Jesus, that Jesus, uh, that God in Jesus, that God disclosed Himself in the most glorious way for all who have ever seen Him or heard about Him or have read His story. And that's partially correct, but it does not take into account those who have experienced those things but yet have rejected Him. Others say that the Word came into the world, the light came into the world as the fullest revelation of God who had already revealed Himself to every human soul by way of creation and conscience. And there's a great amount of truth in that. Paul writes, turn with me to Romans chapter 1, Romans 1. Paul writes to the Roman church, 
God revealing himself by way of creation and conscience is called natural revelation. We see it around us all the time. Not long from, not far from now, the flowers will be beginning to bloom and you can pick a flower off and you begin to inspect it. You can see the, you can see the creative mastery in those petals, in the flower itself. You can see the, the order and the arrangement that just didn't happen by chance. Paul writes, Romans 1 verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That's what they're doing today. They're just suppressing the truth of God with their ungodly and unrighteous teachings. Almost the whole world now has fallen for the myth of evolution. You cannot go to any natural museum, except the Christian ones. You cannot go to a museum or a science fair or a natural park without hearing that this was formed over millions of years. It took 20 billion years for this rock to appear here. And I just love to say to him, oh, so you were there to see that, were you? There's no science in it. It's all religious myth. Listen to what he says. Go on. Verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. How did he show it to them? By natural revelation. For the invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. And someone says, so? And Paul answers there, so? So, they are without excuse. That is the best part of this. They're without excuse. One day they're going to stand before the creator of the universe and he will be the judge of the universe. For although they knew God in the things that were made, they could see it. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were what? Darkened. Darkened. They're in the dark. So there is a sense in which every person that has ever been born has seen the general revelation of God's creation and therefore they are without excuse. And though this is true, I just don't think that's what John is talking about here. And there are some great Bible teachers that believe that John is speaking of general revelation or or, uh, out of the many possible interpretations of this verse, and there are many, 
There are two possibilities that seem to follow the context and what we know biblically about the sovereign work of God in salvation. Because that's what this text is about. It's not about the general revelation of the creation. It is about salvation. So, number one. Two things that I I think it can mean with regard to the context and God's work biblically in salvation. Number one, it can mean that every person who has, who is given light or enlightened, speaking of spiritual enlightenment, is enlightened by Christ alone. Martin Luther took this meaning and he applied the cross-reference of Romans 5.18 as a proof for this. Romans 5.18 says, Therefore, as by one trespass led, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Of course, what Paul means when he says this in Romans 5 is that all men are who are justified and have life only have it and are only justified through Christ alone. One, the one act of righteousness that he speaks of was the entire life and death of Jesus Alone, who was obedient to the Father in everything. Luther states, although men are not justified through Christ, although all men are not justified through Christ, he is nevertheless the only man through whom justification comes. So Paul is not saying that just like Adam sinned and all men sinned after him, People are are justified by Christ and so all men are justified. That's not what he's saying. Augustine writes of this same passage, Jesus Christ is the only man who ever gives light to anyone. If anyone is enlightened, it is because of Jesus Christ. So let's, let's put it like this, and I think I left this in your notes. Let's say that a small community has one little school and Mr. Jones is the teacher and he's been the teacher for the last 40 years. And he's still teaching. It's one little school. We could make the statement that everybody in this community was educated or taught by Mr. Jones. But there may be people in the community that have never been to school and therefore would not have been taught by Mr. Jones. Those who were educated, however, in that community would have had Mr. Jones as their teacher. So the statement in that sense is true. And that's what John is saying. He is saying that the light came into the world and it enlightened everyone whom Jesus enlightened. That's why he says at the end of the verse... He was coming into the world.
If this interpretation then of the light and life that came into the world, if this is the interpretation, then the world, it is, it is exclusive and makes all men responsible for the light that they have been given. And everyone in the world has been given enough light to be responsible before God. But not everyone in the world has been given the light of the gospel which will save their souls. No one can stand before God. No unbeliever will stand before the judgment and say, God, you're not fair. You didn't give me anything to believe in you. Hmm. Yes, I did, God says. I gave you all of the creation around you. You can look at the stars and see that there's order in them. They didn't just happen. They were made. You are without excuse. But those who were enlightened spiritually had to be enlightened by Christ. And the only way Christ enlightens anyone as to their sin and to, as to salvation is through the gospel. Even the conscience of man knows good from evil because they are created in God's image. I remember, I remember when Paul Paul said that he, my son Paul, when he was in the Korowai village, he met a man who had, who had murdered uh, six or seven people. And he became a Christian, this man. And he told my son, he said, I knew when I killed those men that it wasn't right. He knew nothing about God. He knew nothing about the Bible. But God, in, because he was created in the image of God in his, in his being, he knew that what he was doing was wrong. This is expressed by John in several times over in his remembrance of the words of Jesus. John 3.19, and this is judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. This is why the world hates Christians. Because we are sin exposers. Sin exposers. It will not make you popular to remind people that they are sinners. But you will be giving them the truth. It's the most loving thing you can do. If someone barefooted is ready to step on, a, on the head of a rattler, and you warn them that the rattler is there, they better not take another step. Is that loving or is that hate? John twelve forty six. I have come into the world, Jesus said, as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. While you have the light, lest the, while you walk in, while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. So, 
It means, it can mean that every person who is enlightened is enlightened by Christ alone. Number two, it can mean that Christ gives light in the proclamation of the gospel and imparts a degree of understanding concerning spiritual matters to everyone, to everyone who hears the gospel, though it may not necessarily result in salvation to those who hear and comprehend its message. In other words, you, you give the gospel to people and people hear it, And they may understand that they're sinners, that they have offended the holy God, and that they're going to stand in judgment. They may understand all of that and yet walk away lost and still unbelieving. Because of sin, there is a natural resistance to the light of Christ which is the gospel message. That's why when the gospel message is preached and you hit a raw nerve in someone's life with that message, it causes tension, it causes a a, a feeling of unsettledness and maybe even torment. As a person is told of their own sin before God. Acts chapter... 7, verse 51. You stiff-necked people, circumcised, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. There are those who live and experience the blessings of the gospel with the people of God, but they don't know God Or the forgiveness of sin. They're just there. Because it's a place of peace. It's a place of blessing. A place of love. Privately and unbeknownst to those around them. Many of them are empty vessels. Just empty. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. This passage aligns with this teaching that the gospel is can be imparted to people. They can hear it. They can even understand it. But it may not necessarily result in salvation. Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 8. He says, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been There's our word, enlightened. Who have tasted the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit. And have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. And then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. Since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Now what is he actually saying here? He is saying that there are people who are mixed in with the people of God. Jesus called them tares. They're mixed in. They're not believers. They don't know the forgiveness of sin. They don't love Christ. And they're there. They've tasted all of the good gifts that heaven affords with the people of God. They have seen the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of true believers. 
They've tasted of all that goodness. But they fall away. And he says they fall away to their own harm. Notice verse 7. For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls onto it and produces a crop useful for those whose sake it is cultivated receives the blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless. And near to being cursed and in the end to be burned. This is in line with what Jesus said in John 15 about those Parts of the vine that were snipped off. They were producing nothing. What are they good for? Except to be gathered up and burned in the fire. The point is here, folks, is that all people, people, all unbelieving people prefer the darkness. They prefer darkness. Even those whom God sovereignly, effectually calls And saves loved the darkness before they were called and saved. Paul writes to the Ephesian church. He says this. For at one time you were darkness. He says that to us. That's us. At one time we were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The saving work of the gospel of Christ, the preaching of the gospel overrides and overcomes the resistance and creates a heart that is able to obtain and respond to everlasting life. If that were not true, we're wasting our time. But it is true. These are the ones who endure the sufferings as Christians. They endure the sufferings of this life and hold their hope in a life to come, not the one here and now. Turn with me to Hebrews 10 real quick. This is my last passage and I'm going to be done. Notice chapter 10 of Hebrews verse 32 through 36. He says, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which is which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. He was the true light, which enlightens everyone. He was coming into the world. It doesn't mean he's going to save everybody. 
But it does mean that everybody is without excuse. And it does mean that those who are enlightened and find salvation only find it in Christ. These two interpretations seem to work with the context. Especially as we look at verses 10 and 11. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. I pray that God will teach us through these lessons in John to hold very loosely the things of this life. For they may be soon gone. And if they are gone for us, they were likely to be gone for others who do not know him. And what will they do? What will they do? Those who have no hope. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this Lord's Day. We thank you for the word of God and for the lessons that you teach us through it. There has no nation, there has been no nation on the face of the earth in all of history that's had more light than this nation. And yet, we can see that this nation loves the darkness. It loves the darkness because their deeds are evil, their works are evil. You said, Lord, that we are the light of the world, the lower lights, burning in the world so that the world can see the truth. And I pray, Lord, that we would be that kind of light to people. They don't like having their sins exposed. But if sin is not exposed, then it cannot be repented of. And if it's not repented of, it will be in judgment. And so, Lord, help us to be lights in a world of darkness so that others might see Christ, who is the true light of the world. Save the lost. Revive the saved, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.